This week on Your PA Mentor, we're going to talk about the things that you can do before you ever even get into PA school that will make the transition from PA student to PA graduate less stressful. We're also going to talk about PA program red flags that future PA students should keep in mind when applying to schools. Let's dive in. Welcome to your PA Mentor Podcast. I'm Sammy Ngo, your host and fellow PA, and I'm here to help you navigate your way to a fulfilling PA career. At 26 years old, I landed my dream job as a brand new graduate right out of PA school without even realizing it, all because I had an incredible mentor who guided me through my first year as a clinician. My mentor completely changed my life and how I practice medicine. He didn't just teach me clinical medicine. He taught me how to love the art of medicine, how to develop work-life balance, how to avoid burnout, and most importantly, how to truly love and continue to love my profession. Because of him, I am the confident PA that I am today. And that is why I have made it my mission to help PA students and new grads navigate through the PA profession with advice, strategy, and tools to find your way to a fulfilling career as a PA. And with that said, my friends, it is now time to dive into today's episode. Hi, Erin. Hi, Sammy. Before we get started, I just want to throw out this big disclaimer. There is a 75% chance that I'll be throwing some F-bombs today because every time <laughs> I talk about pre-PA stuff, I get all worked up because all these pre-PA students drive me crazy. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, I sure do. Yeah. All these pre-PA students want one thing and one thing only. They want to get accepted to PA school, and I mean any PA school, and they want to do it as quickly as possible by doing just the bare minimum. And this drives me freaking insane because there's a difference between being a PA and being a fucking good PA. And a really smart person once said that you don't study to pass a test. You study to prepare for the day when you are the only thing standing between the patient and the grave. Exactly. It doesn't matter how fast you make it through PA school, pass your boards, and get a job. Having a 4.0 GPA and getting through as fast as you can is not going to make you a great PA. Yes. And 2020 was not a great year for new grad PAs. Programs <laughs> were disrupted. of the year. Yeah, pretty much. The programs were disrupted. Graduations were virtual and jobs were so hard to come by. And it took the usual new PA grad stress to the next level. But we did notice that some people were able to stay ahead of the game and not just survive, but thrive. And the majority of those people all had one thing in common. They all worked in the medical field for years before getting to PA school. Sam, let's do a quick history on how the PA profession came to be. At the end of World War II, Army medics were coming home from wars with no civilian medical profession that could really match up with their military experience and training. So the founding father of the PA profession, Dr. Eugene Stead, worked with military medics to create the PA program as a way to develop medical providers who came to the table with extensive medical backgrounds. That's right. And 55 years later, here we are. People still call us physician assistants. And during that time, the PA program have exploded from 140 programs when we were in school to 268 programs today. Oh, so that is huge, huge growth. And as the number of programs I, I increases... I like that little explosion. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So as the number of programs has increased, the number of PAs struggling with their careers after graduation has also gone up. And this does not help the overall view of our profession. Mm -hmm. Every negative interaction, a patient, physician, 
or other medical team member has with a PA reflects poorly on the entire PA profession. And I know it's not fair, and you know it's not fair, but that's the reality. Yeah. So as a collective, we PAs have to get real with all the PA students and pre-PA students about the reality of working as a PA. Let's talk about what you can do before you can even start applying to PA school to be a better PA after you graduate. Erin, what do you think is the most important quality for a PA student to have? Okay, hands down, real life experience working in the medical field is honestly the most important thing you need to be a great PA out of the gate. Mm -hmm. New grads with prior medical experience are getting jobs way faster than new grads with no medical experience. Because at the end of the day, they just can't compete with new grads who have medical backgrounds, especially when it comes to residency and fellowship programs. Those are super competitive. And if you don't have experience, you're not going to get in. Agreed. We talked to a lot of new graduates and the ones who struggle are the ones who never really worked in medicine before going to PA school. They went straight from high school to college and then PA school, picking up the bare minimum patient care hour requirements along the way just to get to PA school as fast as possible. And I'm going to tell you a few things. I've seen so many new grads coming out of school with very minimal clinical experience and a shitty program. And they took about eight, nine or 10 months to get a job after PA school during COVID. And the ones with actual medical experience, they took a long time too, but they took maybe two or three months as opposed to nine months. So that's a big stress as a new grad. It's just, it makes such a big difference. It is. I can honestly say it does a disservice to the entire PA profession to think that you can hurry up and become a PA without putting Mm -hmm. in the time you need to make PA school work for you. Remember, the whole idea of being a PA is that by the time you get to PA school, you already have a solid understanding of what it is to actually work in the medical field. You know what it takes to be able to work on a healthcare team and to understand your role and understand the roles of the people that you work with. You can't be a future healthcare team leader if you've never worked in healthcare. It just Mm -hmm. doesn't work that way. And you also have to take the time to find out if you actually even like medicine. I'm always so shocked when people burn out or leave the field only after a few years because they have no idea what they were getting into. A lot of students have this idea that medicine is all rainbows and butterflies because of what they see on social media. And if you're on TikTok or Instagram, you're going to see all these beautiful young women dancing around their fig scrubs and telling you how awesome the profession is. I mean, get real. They all look so happy and successful in their nice homes that's beautifully decorated with their Louis Vuitton purse, traveling to exotic places, doing Sunday brunch. But let's talk about what they don't show you. They don't tell you they can't afford that damn Louis Vuitton purse and that they're (laughs) drowning in $200,000 in debt. They don't tell you that they stay up late every single night catching up on charting. And they don't tell you that they don't know how to deal with death or screaming patients who's yelling at them for more narcotics. They don't tell you that they work 60 hours a week and they are underpaid and they have a boss who doesn't respect them. They don't tell you this, but they tell me. These are the kind of DMs that I get every single day from new grads who are struggling so hard with this profession. But if you look at their social media, it's rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. It's all about the presentation, right? Mm -hmm. The work it takes to be a PA should never, ever come as a surprise. It takes way too much time, money, and energy to become a PA just to walk away because you didn't understand what it meant to be a PA before deciding to become one. Right? 
And shadowing a PA is a requirement to get into PA school, but that should not be your only exposure. No way. You owe it to your future self to understand what being a PA really means. And that means working in the medical field in some way to give you that exposure so you know what it's like to be a PA. That's right. So future PA students, are you listening? Listen, (laughs) we're saying get a job in the medical field and do it for a while. Bounce around a little, try out different paths, and then decide if being a PA is the right path for you. We have said this time and time and time again, but we both had extensive history working in the medical field in multiple roles prior to PA school. And honestly, it's definitely in the top three reasons of why we're such strong, badass PAs now. Exactly. And there is no shortcut to experience. If you want to be a strong PA, you really can't rush it. Take the time before PA school to spend a few years getting that crucial real-life experience. Understand what it means to have real job responsibility and expectations. Because PA school teaches you medicine. They don't teach you life experiences, how to deal with patients and insurance companies and the hassles of prior authorization. (laughs) And they don't teach you about diversity and how to deal with the language barriers and cultural differences and how to diffuse an angry patient. Those are things that can only come with experience. And the best way to get that experience is to have that before you get into PA school. Erin, mm-hmm. what do you think is the hardest part of being a PA? Okay, so let's just say this right off the bat. Okay, so medicine isn't hard. There are not, really so isn't. many like resources and books and websites and information on how to diagnose and treat conditions. It's all the other stuff that comes with being a PA that is really hard. Managing all the different personalities of the clinic, figuring out how to talk to pharmacy, how to explain to your patient for the millionth time that they have to stop drinking because their liver is shit, (laughs) why vaccines are real and they don't have a fucking microchip in them. Like, (laughs) these are the hardest parts, you know? Like, this is the stuff that is the most frustrating. And these are the things that they don't teach you about in PA school. Mm -hmm. And I hear people say, oh, I love medicine and I love science and I love helping people. So I want to be a PA. No, bro. It's not all about helping people. (laughs) It's not like you're looking through a microscope all day long and collecting data points. It's messy. It's complicated. And trying to convince patients about things that are important. It's about treating the 10th UTI of the day and letting your patients know that they cannot pick their preferred antibiotics or choose what kind of antidepressant they want to take because their best friend is taking the same one. It doesn't work that way. It's frustrating. Yeah. And for God's sakes, pre-PA students, quit worrying that your hours won't count towards your PA school requirements. If you're trying to scrape by with just the bare minimum of hours so you can start applying to PA school, you are not ready to be a PA. When you have way more hours than you could ever possibly need for PA school, that means you're ready. (laughs) We sound so old when we say this, but it's so true. It's true. It's true. We speak the truth. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. And so if you love medicine and you worked in the medical field for a few years and you really have a comprehensive idea of what it's like to be a PA and you start looking at PA programs, well, how do you know that the school that you're getting into is a good school? Well, that's a tricky question, right? Because if you Mm -hmm. get into a program and you graduate and you pass the pants, at the end of the day, you're a PA, regardless of how great your school was. But that doesn't mean that you're starting off on the same footing as grads from other and better programs. Mm -hmm. 
Unfortunately, with the explosion of PA programs, it seems like a lot of places are more interested in getting your tuition money than to make sure that they have an excellent program and they're producing the best students. Remember, there were 148 PA programs when we were in school. And now there's 268 accredited PA programs in the U.S. with 43 more programs expected to be accredited by the end of 2023. You guys, that is a ton of new PA programs. That is like insane numbers. And that means Mm -hmm. that there's a whole lot of brand new PAs. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some of the red flags to look for when you're applying to PA school because all programs are not created equally. So true. So true. So the first red flag to look for is, is the program accredited? I know this seems like a no-brainer, but PA programs have to go through an accreditation process with ARC-PA, and they have to maintain certain requirements to keep their accreditation. So if the program you got into has consistent problems keeping their accreditation or are constantly being put on probation, apply at your own risk. That's right. To be able to take the pants after graduation, your program has to have an accreditation status from the ARCPA at the time of enrollment. So make sure you know what you're signing up for. Check the NCCPA and the ARCPA website to check the status of your program. And remember, just because a program has been around for a while doesn't mean that they don't have accreditation problems. There have been a few schools that have enrolled students and they never got the accreditation or they were on, you know, provisionary status. And those students had to find their own school to transfer to when their program was being shut down. A lot of students had to take a year off or a few months off until they can find another program. Imagine the stress of having to look for another school midway through your program. That's crazy. That is a fucking nightmare. Mm -hmm. And remember, you still have to pay back the loans you took out for that program. And you're also accruing interest on those loans while you're waiting to get into another program. Every single day. That's just, it's horrifying. And program rankings aren't necessarily the best way to pick a program either. Because most of these ranking systems are based on surveys from people who run other PA programs. So for instance, Duke University is currently ranked number one, But that rating is based on the opinions of the people surveyed, not on actual data about the program. And if your program is new, it may be amazing, but it won't be ranked. The most recent rankings are for March 2020, including only 170 of the 268 current programs. A better way of figuring out how good a school is, it's really to look at their five-year pants pass rate. Right. And fortunately for all of us, the amazing people at the PALife.com have done all the work for us. And they did an amazing job of breaking down schools according to their pants pass rates. And it is really eye-opening. There are 30 schools with a five-year, 100% first attempt pants pass rate. Oh my God. So I try saying that like five times fast. (laughs) So, um, and guess what? Duke University isn't one of them. I mean, not to say that it's not a great program. I'm sure it is. But I would rather get into one of those 30 schools than one that is just subjectively rated highly. Do you agree, Sam? Wow. (laughs) When I applied (laughs) to PA school, I was young and dumb. I was 23 years old and I was just getting to any PA school, you guys. Do I have to remind you, I didn't even know I applied to Quinnipiac, so no. I'm not the best person to ask. I was young and dumb. It's true, you guys. And I <laughs> she thought she was getting into a program in Colorado, FYI. Yeah, so. <laughs> Stupid. <It's fine. laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I hate her. Uh, but yeah, I like didn't look at numbers. I didn't do my research and I had like no confidence. So I just want to get to any school. So I literally applied to programs that I met the qualifications for, the requirements for. Yeah. That was it. I didn't, you know, care about rankings. I didn't care about anything. I didn't do any of those research. My main criteria to apply to pay school was, can I apply? Yeah. Do I meet other requirements? And if the yep. answer was yes, I checked the box. That's it. That's a terrible way of doing it. So if that's, it that's you, don't do that. Rethink your strategy. Be more selective in choosing your program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just be selective. You're choosing the school. You're paying for the education, not the other way around. Yeah. Another way to investigate the quality of the program you're applying to is to talk to current and former students of the program. Do the alumni support and turn out for their school or do they literally curse the day they ever set foot on campus? <laughs> but to be fair, Erin, you can hit your program <laughs> and still appreciate the education you got, okay? That's true. That's true. So me and Erin, we... we it's true. <laughs> how do I say this? Are we going to say it? Are we going to say it on yeah, like... Just, are we going to actually it, just like, say it, just record this? Okay. So we went to Quinnipiac University and we <laughs> fucking hated, hated... Yeah. Hated the program. Our program. But 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 big buts. But we are more than aware and appreciate the amazing education that we got from it. Yeah. We know that it education. was a phenomenal, phenomenal program. But we literally hated, hated every single day. So <laughs> You know, and, guys, don't forget, we're, we're 10 years out and we still have severe PTSD, <laughs> severe PTSD True. from just that, that, that those, those words. Oh, yeah. Like the word Quinnipiac, when I see that name or I see Connecticut, I, I just, I still get nervous and anxious, you know, yeah. and I don't know why it's you guys. I still, we still get emails from Quinnipiac, alumni emails and stuff. And I'm yeah. just like, ah, how did they find me? How did they track me down? <laughs> Who's my number? <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's me too. So, but like I said, phenomenal education. They are, they're so great. good. We're, you know, they produce amazing students. It's just, you know, a little PTSD <laughs> <laughs> that comes with it. Right? But we're honest. So to all yeah. our fellow PAs, be honest. If a potential PA applicant asks you your honest opinion about your program, just tell them. And remember that academically vigorous standards and curriculums aren't easy to get through, but they do produce exceptional PAs. Right. We're not trying to trash talk the Quinnipiac program at all. Okay. Like <laughs> We're not. we had an exceptional education and we are really strong PAs and we both have benefited from our time at Quinnipiac, but it was a really fucking tough program. That's why we hated it because it was super intense. It was super stressful. It was super, oh God, just overwhelming. We were in class from like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Yeah. I was studying easily to 2 a.m. every day. I would get like four hours sleep. It was bad. Yeah. So I, even though like it was terrible and we have PTSD, we would still strongly recommend the Quinnipiac program. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it was an easy program or that we loved Mm -hmm. it. It just means that it was really good, but it was also really, really fucking hard. So just keep that in mind, okay? And so when you talk to other PAs about their school, if they're like, oh my God, it was super easy. Everyone was great. I loved it. So chill. So chill. 3 p.m. Like, I don't understand what that, (laughs) that does not compute. So just, you know, take it with a grain of salt. And then if you live in a dense area, 
does the program that you're applying to going to have adequate enough access to enough different providers in the community to provide a breadth and range of clinical rotations? So if your program has to compete with student placement from other medical schools, other provider programs like other PA schools or nurse practitioner schools, and even with residencies, are you going to be able to get the hands-on clinical training that you're paying for? Are you going to just be at the bottom of the barrel of students and never get a chance to actually put hands on a patient because you're in a rotation with like seven other students? Mm -hmm. That's important. It is. And if the program is in a rural area, are you going to have to travel out of state for clinicals? Are you going to have to drive two hours to get to your rotation site every day because that's the closest one that they have to your school? These are all really important things to consider when you're applying to a program. Yes. You guys, I have heard horror stories from all of you about your PA program. And I've had one person tell me that she had an OBGYN rotation and never once did a pap smear. That How is, is that even possible? How is that possible? I still, I can't wrap my head around it. Like, Yeah. And I had one student that did her primary care rotation at the same geriatric rotation she was signed for her internal medicine rotation. A geriatric clinic is neither primary care or internal medicine. Mm-hmm. And your internal medicine rotation should be done at a hospital. Not at any just random outpatient clinic. You really need to know how to write a hospital note, how to titrate medication through IVs, and just really understand how the hospital workflow really is, how to transfer a patient from the ER to ICU. Mm -hmm. Those are important things to really understand. And your psych rotation isn't just a filler rotation. It's actually really fucking important that you know how to deal with a psych patient. Because guess what? Psych patients have medical problems too. And you have to deal with them in every field of medicine. You have to know how to talk to an anxious patient and how to deal with a manic patient at their OBGYN appointment. You have to know how to talk to a borderline patient about their diabetes. Mm -hmm. And you have to know how to treat an entire patient, not just their diagnoses. I mean... Preach it, sister. And remember, Mm -hmm. you are paying a lot of money for this education. Hundreds of thousands of dollars that you have Mm -hmm. to pay back with interest. So make it meet your expectations. And when we say you're paying, some programs literally have to pay PAs to be preceptors. And that money isn't coming out of the program's pockets. Those extra costs are being added to your tuition. Oh, and if you have a shitty, awful preceptor, let your program know ASAP and get assigned somewhere else. I've heard from one student that she was verbally abused by her preceptor every single day. And she just felt like she was discriminated against because of her sexuality by her preceptor. That's insane. They literally told her she wasn't good enough and that she shouldn't even bother coming to her rotation. <sighs> and I've heard, you know, horror stories about students being told that they had to clean the clinic before they leave at the end of the day. You are not a janitor, bro. That is not your job. Yeah, you are not paying to clean their clinic. Mm -hmm. That's insane. So if you have one of these nightmare situations and you tell your program and they don't do anything about it, that is a huge fucking red flag. They are taking your money and knowingly giving you a subpar education. So get the rest of your class involved and deliver a message that you demand changes. Because your classmates are probably having to deal with the same shit in their own rotations as well. And you guys have more power as a student body than you realize because it's your money that is funding their program. Mm -hmm. And here's another red flag. If your program does not require clinics to provide a specific preceptor for you for your rotation, it's going to be more challenging for you to get the most out of your rotation. 
If you encounter that, let your program know and see if you can get into a different rotation or if the site can just assign someone specific to be your preceptor. Because if you have to start from scratch every day with a new preceptor, you are not going to be able to build the trust that it takes for a preceptor to let you step in and help with a procedure or see patients on your own. Yes. And sometimes you'll have a preceptor who will ask their coworker to take you for a day if they have to be off-site or take a day off. And that's totally normal, mm-hmm. but that's totally different from showing up every day and not knowing who you're going to be working with. And I know we say this a lot, but it is literally the duty and obligation of practicing PAs to take on PA students and train them in the ways of the Jedi. I mean, train them in the ways of the PA. (laughs) I've been watching Mandalorian, okay? So I can't help it. Eric, stop. (laughs) It's true. But yeah, but it's true. It totally is. And when you get shuffled from one preceptor to another, none of them are really taking on the responsibility of making sure you're getting the most out of your rotation. It's all the same to them because they don't know your name from Adam's name. And they're not invested in your education and they can't tell if you made any progress because they've never really met you before. Right. Red flag. Yeah. And honestly, students will lie to get a chance to do procedures. And if your preceptor has no way of knowing if that's true or not, and they've never worked with you before, that's a really nice way to fuck up a procedure and put the patient at risk for a bad outcome. Agreed. Oh, my God, you guys. So this has been a really kind of like heavy topic, but we said some things today that really, really needed to be said. Mm -hmm. There are so many challenges in the PA profession right now that it is imperative that we work hard to make sure that PAs entering our profession are given the education and training to excel and continue to advance the reputation and integrity of our field. And so that is all for today's episode, but join us next week as we talk more about cover letters and the onboarding process and new grad training. That's right. And make sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate, and leave a review. And remember, your PA mentor can be found on any platform that you use to download podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on YouTube and TikTok at your PA mentor. What about Schminstagram? Oh, yeah. Instagram too, because we're attacking <laughs> every field. All of them. Media. World domination, guys. (laughs) That's the goal. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.